welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome in everybody. This is the Chit Chat Money Investing Power Hour. We do it every Thursday. We can talk about anything. Anything is fair game. The only rule is that we're not allowed to come. Oh, sorry, it's going. Oh, over. <laughs> we talked about that. That is that is funny. We discussed it thirty seconds before uh, about exiting out the thing, but it's hard. What do you, what do you go live on YouTube? You have to click a bunch of buttons in uh, while you're live, and it's while it's, you're live. It's, but, it's it's a multitasking. Uh, you know, it's difficult. Anyway, the. Uh, we uh, the only rule here is you're not allowed to come prepared with anything. However, it is earnings season, so it's a little hard not to in this case. Um, and I imagine we're going to talk about that. But first, we should probably talk about our exclusive partners at Seven Investing. Um, we were able to chat with Simon this week, Simon and Kristoff. First time chatting with Kristoff. That will that episode be out already by the time people are listening to this in podcast format. Uh, no, this will be a perfect tease. It'll be coming out next Wednesday. If you were listening to this on Sunday or Monday, uh, that week that we were, that it comes out on the Sunday or Monday, it'll go out on the Wednesday. So very soon, very fun discussion on semiconductors and biotech stocks. Some of the innovative uh, industries that they really like to follow and study and recommend over at Seven Investing. Yeah, the biotech stuff is... It was awesome. Awesome. Hard to wrap my mind around, I think, for uh, for uh, as someone who doesn't really invest in the industry, is some of the technology is pretty. And I guess honestly, it's insane. But uh, it, it's cool to listen to people that actually understand it. Anyway, if you if you guys want to uh, uh, sign up for the service, use our code Money. You get a hundred dollars off. It's a lifetime discount of twenty five percent. Am I getting that right? Um, Anyway, use the code that you get seven recs every month. Plus they've got 200 different, com- more than 200 different companies in the service that you can research. Um, so you want me to, good research. Yeah, do you want me to tease what kind of companies they had last uh, month and kind of what people might be expecting for the next month? We got, you know, a large cap tech stock. We got a software company. We got a healthcare company. We got two healthcare companies, biotech company, fintech, tons of different areas. So one of the best parts is that you can just explore whatever you're interested in. They're likely to have reports on that. It can really help you learn about that industry. And but, one of those, I wouldn't even characterize it as healthcare, really. It's almost more software, but I can't get any, uh, I can't go any further on it. It was, I, I actually really like this last batch of companies. Anyway, let's move on. I think some people are probably going to tune in today because they want to hear us talk about Spotify's earnings, who reported this week. Do we want to start with that? Um, sure, that's fine. Yeah, we had someone ask, and thank you for asking Twitter to, Twitter to discuss. Um, yeah, interesting report. I don't know, Ryan, do you want to kind of give your over maybe the overview first, and maybe I can bring up the report and give any context for numbers if we forget? Well, to be honest, I wasn't a fan of the report. There were some positives, but in general, I'm starting to become a little frustrated. Um, 
And honestly, it just, it synced up right in line with, okay, I watched that. I know this, this shouldn't matter, but it does. <laughs> I watched that show on Netflix called The Playlist. And obviously this was a long time. It was basically, the show's based around when they were starting the business um, primarily. And it's very much a growth mindset. And you're really focused on just not really things that drive value in the public securities world. It was more, how do we get to scale? How do we get to IPO? How do we disrupt music? That kind of thing. Um, Doesn't really matter about generating cash. And that was kind of the focus of the show. And then when I watch or when I read the earnings and I see kind of this constant deferral of profitability where the focus was basically and uh, to to their credit they had a really good quarter user wise i think they were six million maus above what they guided for um i think they're at what 456 459 million do you want me to give context here uh starts so yeah 456 million maus 20 percent growth 23 million in the quarter compared to q2 so 23 million net additions in the quarter which was a record high um, and then premium subscribers going a little slower, but it's still at 13%. So those are the paying subscribers. However, and this is what Ryan is talking about, gross margins still only 24.7%. Uh, basically the same thing, same as where it was in the 2017, 2018 period. And then operating margin is still slightly negative. Um, so yeah, continue, Ryan. Yeah, and basically listening to the conference call, they keep saying stuff like, so first of all, a lot of the thesis for investors today and my my thesis generally is around operating leverage that they're going to see some, not a crazy amount, but some operating leverage um, in their business as they reach scale, not only in the music side, but because of podcasting and stuff like that. We're, we simply are not seeing that play out. And I know... Now it's a bit of a mix shift because podcasts are hurting and premium is growing a little bit in terms of gross margins, but it's 24.7% gross margins versus I think 24 or some 24 point something percent when they IPO'd. If you it's it's at, essentially the same or the really no, it's, it's the exact same. On. Yeah. And when you ask questions on the conference call or analysts ask questions, it's basically, and you know, listening to it, Daniel almost got defensive at the start by saying, I know a lot of you you guys are going to be frustrated that we aren't seeing the margins, but we don't manage for the quarter. We worry about the lifetime value and hitting our internal metrics. We measure it differently, essentially, internally. And they keep using this like, we're, we're doing well internally. If it's doing well internally, it would show up externally. Uh, yeah, may, well, they could be right, but I agree. It, it should show up. It should show up in the at least the gross margin numbers, um, and yeah, they, you know, they said twenty twenty three is going to be when they expand. I think investors probably have to hold their feet to the fire there, um, and if they don't, then maybe they're not as either. Well, either two things: they didn't execute as well; they're not actually locked in on expanding margins. Um, I, I thought, yeah, the quarter. Look, besides the margins, the quarter I thought was really strong. Um, they showed a lot of good stuff on engagement. Um, and then on that movie stuff, Ryan, I mean, come on, that's irrelevant. I know it's kind of a joke, but is it though? Because 
it's okay. pretty. I mean, the, the I think the book that the movie was based off of that is actually trying to be factual um, is relevant. So I'd recommend anyone read that to give any historical, the true historical context. And yeah, they do focus a lot on. I mean, they um, said, I guess Martin said that that's not was, that's not I mean, or not Martin, the old CFO. He said the book wasn't indicative of what happened either. The, uh, so, so, but the movie was even more uh, exaggerated than the book. So I don't, or not the movie, the TV show. I don't know if that should factor in any sort of investment thesis. Um, well, I think okay. It, I think the proofs. In, okay, the way I see it, management teams seem to measure success one of two ways. The good ones measure it in cash flow for shareholders. Others measure it by the size of the business in terms of influence and employees. And my concern in watching that show is that it really seems, they really seem focused on disruption and the size of the operation and employees. And yes, they probably made it seem, I mean, well, that could be, if the show, if the show didn't come out, that could still be true. And I think it might be true. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was. Hey, one... hey, we should say on the conference call, they did answer my question, though. So, I mean, that's a huge highlight of the quarter. Finally got, finally got a question answered there. Yeah, that, yeah. that is huge. That that's is pretty huge. cool, I guess. Um, I do, and you're gonna roll your eyes when I say this, but I'm I'm pulling up a quote from the show. Obviously, it, keep in mind it's from the show. This is not real. Yeah, Martin. I mean, it's it's you know, basically when talking to. When they said, well, you got to figure out the business eventually, right? You got bills to pay. He said there was this whole scene where he basically, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. But at the end, he goes, by then we'll have shareholders, thousands of shareholders. They're the ones who will pay the bill. Growth, growth, growth. Now, the reason I took that out is because it feels like that's what's happening when I read through these earnings releases. Yeah. And look, I, I think I could agree with you. I don't really, like I just said don't really put any uh factor into the the tv show but that could definitely be correct um and it comes back to i know any sort of the bold thesis in spite of that would be oh well it's it's like amazon and i know that could be the case but amazon type investments where you don't generate cash as a public company for or consolidate cash for what would it be for amazon maybe what was it, 20 years? Yeah, probably less, a little less than 20 years, 15 years, something like that. Um, and you actually are able, you know, to, I don't, I mean, it, it, here's the thing. They, I think if, a good rule if, of thumb is no one is Amazon. Yeah, most likely 99.9% chance. The thing is, though, is that it's hard to look at them because spot Spotify, I'm saying it's hard to look at Spotify and it's why the stock is down so much and why if they execute and kind of run any sort of numbers on margin expansion, the stock's going to probably do extremely well is that if they are not just making excuses and the operating leverage is there and they say will show up in the consolidated numbers and does show up in the consolidated numbers in 2023 uh, on at least the gross margin level and they're investing and getting tons of strong returns on that investment. I mean, this, you know, this is a chance to be a ginormous company. However, it's really hard to see that um, 
today. And it seems like each quarter they come up with another excuse of why consolidated numbers don't look great. Uh, and yeah, internal numbers. Yeah. And I guess the one thing that could, you know, the, the foreign exchange stuff is out of their control. And that's been a big headwind because they have a lot of employees in the US, but a lot of revenue internationally. I get that. That's not something they can control. But once that subsides, or if it subsides, uh, which like, I mean, we're not going to see the dollar go up by 20% every year for the foreseeable future, um, then they don't have that excuse anymore. So I think 2023 is a, a big year. Um, we kind of hit 10 minutes on that. Ryan, do you have anything else? And then we probably should go on to other topics and if you got anything to close out on Spotify. No, I'm just kind of a lip. Okay. They keep saying 2022 is an investment year. We said that. And the other part they say is we're sticking by our goals. We're sticking by our goals that we set at the investor day. I'm like, well, yeah, you set those three months ago. I, I should hope so. Like, well, that's not really a big, I mean, why are you, I wouldn't be mad at that. Because they keep pushing the, they keep pushing the field goal posts. They keep moving them. I mean, sort of, sort of. Sort of. I mean, they moved the field goal post from 20, the 2021 event, early 2021 event. Um, but from the investor day this year, they have, I mean, it's, they haven't moved the field goal post. Uh, this is kind of, this is what they said would happen. But yeah, but they also said there was going to be a much faster rollout on the advertising side, which would have helped with margins. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So there's, I don't know. I could see, very much see a world in 2023 where we're at Q4 and they announce gross margins at 25%. And they say, well, was, there was some one-time stuff, but I mean, internally, we're seeing the margin inflection. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to judge. It's a tough cookie for sure because the, everything else looks fantastic. Maybe not fantastic is the wrong word. Everything else looks great. I mean, the, the execution on users attracting subscribers in all markets around the globe, even with major competition um, and gaining the podcast market share, which they said again, um, was, you know, did really, really well just from consumption and users, you know, engaging with the podcast. However, eventually you got to make, you know, you got to make money off those users. Um, and if you have 500 million, probably you'll have 500 million by mid to early 2023, I think you got to come up with a business model that can work there or really show aggressive top line growth in these new business models. Um, yeah. All right. New, new topic, new topic. We can talk about Spotify all day. We should not make the whole show about that. I want to I talk about meta. Meta. That was the, was that the craziest, maybe not craziest, most shocking press release you've ever read i want to pull it up because that was it was a gut not a it was just every line after line was just oh my gosh wow like they're just it it was amazing i have no words i have no words for it um someone had a really good tweet as a non-meta shareholder this is incredibly entertaining to watch him do exactly what essentially what he said he i mean he's addicted to the metaverse quite literally um and it's entirely his operation and people are just on their hands and knees begging him to slow spending and he's like 
rambling on about the metaverse. It's pretty, I mean, yeah, like I'd be frustrated me, if I were a shareholder though. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's like similar to Spotify or even um, Alphabet a bit, but Alphabet's slightly different. It's just kind of a little bit of the expenses stuff there, but it's similar to Spotify, except uh, just totally on steroids, just so much more. Um, let me just go through some of the report for anyone that doesn't know or uh, anyone that didn't see it. So here, here's the big things. One, you saw revenue decline in the third quarter year over year, down 4%. And costs and expenses were up 19%, which led to operating margin to be down from 36% to 20%, which is worse than people thought. If we look at um, their uh, headcount, if you look at it, headcount was up 28% year over year. And if you look at their guidance for 2023, so, so here's what they, they gave for their long-term guidance. In 2022, they're expecting 85 to, 78, 85 to $87 billion in expenses, which is right around their prior outlook. Uh, but in 2023, they're expecting total expenses to be in the range of $96 billion to $101 billion with capital expenditures to be $34 billion to $39 billion, which I think would be the highest out of all the big tech companies as they are increasing their investments in AI. And they're expecting Reality Labs expenses to grow significantly in 2023. So all those just in combined, you just read those, like the, the CFO outlook was just line after line after line, just, oh, wow, wow. Just this is... I mean, just an amazing, amazing report. I think maybe my favorite part here, and there might be some timing stuff, but just looking at total costs and expenses for the last nine months, you're looking at $62 billion versus $50 billion during the nine months, same nine months last year. So $12 billion in incremental mm, yeah. total expenses. You you added twelve billion expenses, twelve billion in expenses to generate quite literally a rounding error in Reality Labs revenue. Yeah, what was it? One point four billion and grew to one point four three. Yeah, I think the, the Oculus new Oculus released last year. But if the new Oculus released last year and we're going to compare it to say a video game console, the the second year should be better. I mean, yeah, get, it should be bigger. The second year. Well, if there's any staying power, but having read some of the reporting from like the Wall Street Journal, oh, all, 90, all the yeah. all the users are just churning after like a month. So there's yeah. no one so we shouldn't expect it to be like Xbox or PlayStation, but that that's the goal, right? Is that's how that, that's their immersive ecosystem. Yeah, I mean that's their nearest path to short term earnings. Sorry, I said nearest path to short. Just their 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 closest path to earnings for Reality Labs. Uh, that can maybe if they the theory is probably they generate some money from uh, Oculus with the gaming stuff, and maybe that was the idea. And then you can invest that into that crazier stuff um, that they're going after on the decade long time horizon. It's it. I'm not. I guess it's not surprising to see the stock down. It seems like a very rational reaction from everyone but the disappointing thing is that they also do not since they're investing so much here and they bought back so much stock in 2021 that they they don't have the room to buy back a bunch of stock here anymore 
which would be, I think I would be very disappointed in as a shareholder. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think it was $20 billion bought back in Q4 2021. And then maybe if they knew that they were going to invest this heavily, I just, I would have a little, I would be a little disappointed. I mean, similar to Spotify, really disappointment in the buyback where they did it a little bit at higher levels and haven't at lower prices. The, the not having the capacity to do that for, for Meta um, seems disappointing. But here's the two questions I have that I think can make it more than just ta- us talking about in circles about Meta's earnings. One, the big tech employee count. You choose which one you want to do first. One, big tech employee count. And two, founder voting stock, positives and negatives. What one do you want to do first? Let's start with the headcount because I thought everyone was laying people off this quarter. They're they're lying. They're lying to us. They're 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 just constantly lying. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Every like literally every big tech company basically say like we're gonna have to slow or stop headcount growth. I think That's well, a- yeah, maybe not Apple, but they either all officially said it or leaked it, right? To Wall Street Journal or something like that. Yeah, I thought so. I thought there was like an all hands meeting at Meta that basically said like we're in a tough period. We're going to slow growth, like slow headcount growth and expense growth. And there was like a whole bunch of leaks that came out from that. Was that just a ruse? Like, was that a fake leak from Mark? I think again. I think this one you got to. Sometimes it takes a little bit to flow through. I think really the next few quarters is when you got to hold their feet, and if it doesn't help or if it doesn't reverse then you gotta i think just face reality and say these companies are not trying to optimize for cash flow and you gotta Maybe. bake that into your models i've been trying to think of, okay at what point does a horrible compression in their stock price affect the company like actually affect the people for mark mm. it doesn't matter because he's got enough oh, okay money. you're looking at he has enough money. It won't ever matter. So he doesn't really, this is kind of his pet project. He, he can never get voted out. Super voting shares, all that stuff. He can do what he wants. He doesn't need the money. And then when you think about it from like an engineering standpoint, if you're getting paid $250,000, let's say a year, and maybe you get some stock options as cherries on top, the recession doesn't really matter for you. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying if they're still willing to throw up that money? Yeah, here, here's a good, some, uh, I think this kind of encompasses it. Uh, good fact uh, that, that MBI, Mostly Borrowed Ideas, the analysis account that does very, we've had him on the show before, does good write-ups on a lot of these companies. Here was the stat he kind of uh, compiled in this analysis. The number of headcount added by Google in the last 14 quarters has, is the equivalent of Meta's, which is Facebook, Total employees as of the second quarter, 2022. So, yeah, it's hard. Here's, okay, I kind of think of it in two ways. For someone like Alphabet, where it's more run by, um, you have the founders, I think, still own a bunch of stock, but the founders are not there anymore. And it's kind of run by maybe the MBAs now a little bit. You have the CFO there. They seem to not be focusing on operational efficiency. It honestly might be better if the stock goes down a lot in the short run 
just so they in the, the inve- Wall Street you know, kind of kicks their but that's gets, what I'm trying to get them focused on actual it's, it's it, so this kind of connects to the founder share stuff where meta you're in a tougher spot because nothing can affect Zuckerberg's ideas. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is when, when does the wall street pressure start to affect how they run the business? And if you're getting paid $300,000 in cash each year, it, it simply just might not, there might not be a point where you start to compromise on, or change how you run the business because you know you're getting enough cash compensation that doesn't matter. That might that might be and true. There's not going to be the pressure from shareholders, or there's not going to be the pressure from employees unless they're getting like unless half their compensation stock because they don't care. They're getting paid well. Yeah, they're and, insulated <laughs> from any pressure. And their jobs probably are not uh, as um, well. I shouldn't say just in general. If they have a lot more people just hiring, and there's not that much else to do they there might not it might be, be as difficult as job as say joining a startup with 100 employees there i think um a funny know, ang- like ta- engineering talent is the scarcest resource right now I'm like it looks like cash flow is the scarcest resource for yeah uh, there was uh oh, i retweeted it this morning so i should be able to find it there there was a good tweet from someone on, on fintwith that said in retrospect this was the top single it was the hacker news post where the person said I currently have 10 fully remote engineering jobs. The bar is so low. Oversight is so non-existent. And everyone is so forgiving for underperformance. I can coast for about four to eight weeks for given jobs fire me. Currently on a $1.5 million run rate. I think a VC could back that for about $100 million in 2021. Uh, and the interim process is so much faster. It takes me about two to three hours of total effort to land a new job with thousands to choose from. Um, yeah, I guess we just saw that show up in the numbers. Yeah, it's, it'll be. It's weird. I guess what we we're about to see Amazon and Apple report. I think Amazon, even though I just gave that crazy stat about Alphabet, I think Amazon is the most egregious when it comes to this type of employee. Um, I don't want to use the word waste because it's probably a little harsh, but employee. And uh, they're comfortable with high. They're comfortable with hiring a lot of employees without looking at the ROI specifically. We'll see what they look like, but yeah, I don't this know. is what our this is what our economy is built on now. Search. This, uh, we're using Google Search to subsidize uh, people that live in the tech, the coastal cities. If I okay, if you could pick one. Forget the business. If you could pick one operator to run your company today among all the big tech operators, so Mark, Ooh. Tim Cook, Sundar, Satya, and let's go Jassy. I don't know how much influence Bezos still really has. No, he's not. No, it's, it's all it's Jassy now. Bezos is out. Who's, who's running the ship for you? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ooh, that is a great question. Well, Zuck, no, no, no. we're out. We're out on Zuck. Yeah, gone. Call the, call the bottom, timestamp this, but we're out. We're out on Zuck. I think I would choose uh, Nadella. I think I like that Tim Cook, honestly, he's been incredible. Tim Cook, yes, if you look at the numbers, the best since he took over, right? But some of the moves they make, I think, and obviously they have not shown up yet. It has not shown up yet, and I doubt they're going to show up in this quarterly report. I think some of the moves they make. If you're going to say monopolistic, I'm going to go buy shares. No, no. Or anti-competitive. Yeah, well, I mean, they do have, like. Watching. Okay, sorry, finish your thought. Okay, both on operational efficiencies, relying on China a lot, right? Having the China exposure, uh, I think that creates more risk than maybe is embedded into the stock price today and is not reflecting the numbers. And two, some of the moves they've done to flex their their position in the marketplace compared to, say, Microsoft uh, for Apple to juice their earnings is a riskier move than I think some of the stuff that Microsoft is doing. Plus, Microsoft has cloud. And I mean, that can just be bigger. Both the combination of Azure and AWS can both be bigger than iPhone someday. So I think that's just, yeah, that seals, maybe, that seals the deal for me for Microsoft. Maybe Nadella takes the cake, but Cook has been watching or listening to Daniel Eck on the conference call, just complaining about Apple. And then, like the day of earnings, putting out that report about um, how Apple's stifling. Spotify's rollouts just made me think like, why do I keep owning the ones fighting it when I could just like Tim Cook's been damn good every, every turn. It'd be so much easier. I would, I would stop caring so much and like, why don't I just own the evil empire? Mm, I think it's just, the risk isn't in it's there. Uh, look, we could check back in five years. And no one's going to do anything. I think the risk is just higher. The, I guess, yeah, the thing here, the thing is that the company is like that are kind of getting hurt by Apple, Spotify, one of them. What are the other ones? A match group, Epic games more, uh, I guess now fa- Facebook, snap, uh, Twitter, they are the right everyone that, getting hurt. They, by yeah, yeah, they were the infl- I mean, Apple caused some of the inflation, which is is interesting to think about. They did cause some of the inflation for sure that we're seeing. Um, they are correct. I think a lot of people like, well, who cares what a lot of I think they're correct in that Apple is being anti competitive, but no one's done anything about it yet. So it's kind of one of those, you know, the world, uh, it doesn't matter how what you want to happen. It, uh, this is how the world is right now. So, but they won in court. I know, I know. So, like, 
but so I, and now they've got a precedent to just keep well that's one that's one court case i mean it's a vast vast ecosystem the mobile ecosystem uh you know there's tons of other court cases that will come through and in, and in other countries as well i don't know i've just been saying that for three years now yeah it's one of those where and then every it, time it, you like, piss them off they make they'll make it worse for you yeah, they just did that thing with the in-app purchases for advertising that's going to hurt Twitter a lot. Um, look. I guess the, that's more news we should talk about, too. The Twitter consummation? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only... I think the only the only thing on Apple that just... We thought, like, they are just taking more risk, I think, with their market position that they're going to look even if like they're just going to look really, really bad from an anti-competitive standpoint soon. And it's going to get worse and worse if they keep going down this path. Um, now, <laughs> it's hard. I, like maybe nothing happens, but it just seems like it's riskier than say Microsoft. Uh, but all right, new topic. Actually, it's 1230 halfway through. Should we talk? Seven investing again. Get a quick sure. Go to that segment first. Yeah. So as everyone remembers, everyone listening, watching the seven investing are presenting sponsor through the end of 2022. Use code money to get a hundred dollars off your annual subscription. I was checking out their recent article by one of their advisors, Luke Hallard, which you can find this for free, called the ABCs of ADRs, exploring the mechanics of buying American depository receipts. Um, really great article that goes through the basics of these things. If you're interested in investing in international companies, I think this is a great overview. If you're kind of scared of, you know, buying an ADR, what what it means, what the risk can be, I think maybe as a good discussion topic here, we could talk about the just kind of the downsides of ADRs because we've invested in a few before, checked some out, or had to invest in the home market country stock because the ADRs in the United States were so. Uh, thinly traded i kind of think the major downside is just the illiquidity of a lot of them which can lead to the price being totally mismatched and the bid ask spread being being a lot tougher yeah and, i mean the the only downside that i've actually felt like noticed was the illiquidity but there's like there's kind of the concern of black swan events that's never really happened yet what do you like mean? D, like D listings? I've I've never Oh, D listings, yeah, yeah. I haven't really seen that happen to anything I owned. Yeah, I guess the other one is some of the SEC requirements are less stringent. So you've had we've had the example of the Chinese ADRs where they've committed a lot of fraud and there's not really anything that they can do. Um so I guess I would look at what sort of level they're at. So like the example Luke uses in the article is the Dutch Shell company or, or Shell, excuse me, on the London Stock Exchange where with its listing in the United States, it's at the full level three, I think it is. And it has the same exact requirements as a domestic US company, but some of the lower level ones, which I'm assuming the Chinese ADRs are, only have to publish an annual report that do not have to follow generally accepted accounting principles and the SEC requirements. So I think checking those is important. Um, kind of an interesting topic. And what's weird is ADRs haven't really changed over the last hundred years. And there's constantly uh, been this like 
this whole thing about Chinese listed ADRs are all going to get delisted for like the last three years. I feel like people have been talking about that. It just hasn't come to fruition. Well, we, I guess we should have hoped they got delisted given where the stock prices are. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that I, I want, I, I wonder if there needs to be an update to this model that kind of make it more 21st century. No, don't say blockchain, but it is kind of wild. Get a better, better system. It is kind of wild to think that we're, we, we clearly like the U S clearly has some, uh, problems or tensions with China right now, yet the U S is allowing Americans to funnel capital into that country. Cause like in the end, it is a lot of it is ending up in Chinese government's pocket, the U S dollars. Yeah. A conspiracy theory might say that they're investing in ByteDance, and then ByteDance starts buys TikTok or buys whatever the company is and turns it into TikTok for the international rollout. And you have the biggest media company. Well, what's growing into the biggest media entity in the United States is uh, owned by our geopolitical rival that's turning into the second Cold War. I mean, that's, you know, we thought we were laughing at Meta for about 10 minutes, but that TikTok banning TikTok bull case. Here's, here's the two bull cases on Meta. Sorry, I know we're, this is kind of going back to an old topic. The two bull cases on Meta and we laugh at this one, but laugh at us for the Spotify one as well for the margin expansion because we've been saying it for years and it hasn't happened. But the two, the two bull cases I love are, well, they're about to ban TikTok. I mean, did we see that this week where someone was like, I'm hearing TikTok's going to get banned? It happens all the time. Like, and then they've the second one is- that though forever. For two years, they've saying it for two years, two years. Never going to happen. Come on, Ryan. You're saying a lot of nevers today. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. We know this. Second it's one. unlikely that it's going to happen, especially any time given until unlikely. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen at the beginning of a presidential term because no one's going to ban TikTok right before a vote. Uh, You're going to lose everyone. Uh, I don't know. The uh, you're you're sounding very certain today. The second bull case that I think I find very funny is this is the decade of WhatsApp, which could have been the tweet every year since like 2016. Um, that yeah. one has grown. Grow? Come on, come on. Let's look at the numbers here. Let's look I at mean, the numbers. If you talk about Spotify growing, WhatsApp's growing uh, at as a percentage at a, at a greater scale at just as good of a percentage and neither one's really generating cash. Mm, I got a doubtful other revenue for Facebook over the last nine months, which is not advertising. So a lot of that's WhatsApp 624 million in 2021. That was 567 million. So less than a hundred million dollars in growth or the first nine months of this year. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the monetization. I'm saying the uh, growth of the app user wise. Yeah, but come on. I could see a world where e-commerce takes off on the WhatsApp. I know, but we said that in payments and stuff, but we've been saying that since 2017. That's another one of these where they're not. What's interesting is they could if they, they, they hired so many employees. And I wonder what percentage are going to WhatsApp because it feels like the opportunity is ripe if they, if they put enough employees behind there, but it seems like we got to make horizon worlds and the, the legless avatars. 
Maybe. Might just not be very easy to monetize. Uh, the pay, I, look, uh, maybe it's harder than I think, but we've seen the, uh, I think they could dominate Venmo or not Venmo, but whatever the equivalent is in the markets are popular. Uh, I mean, but they have the functionality, right? Well, they just haven't worked to get it proven in all the different markets and they haven't invested heavily enough to advertise. I was talking with someone that is in India and saying they just totally dropped the ball on the rollout of WhatsApp pay, WhatsApp pay in India and that it's so, the app is so popular, it should do much better, but for the payments part, but they just did not execute. And I, I it's the lack of focus maybe on that sort of, that segment when this is apparently supposed to be the WhatsApp decade that it seems to be the burn money and reality labs decade instead. Um, But who knows? Maybe it's about to turn on the growth engine, but it's just it, it hasn't shown up. No, I'm tired. Okay. Yeah, that I am tired of any thesis that's what what it could be. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm tired of hearing those. Yeah. Well so much money has been lost on well, if they get it right. If it isn't right, then wait until they get it right to own it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there someone someone kind of said that to me a while back, where like there's plenty of options right now of businesses that are already generating tons of cash, trading at big discounts. Why why buy the ones that where the cash flow is theoretical? Oh, if you have a big enough discount. Yeah. I mean the discounts aren't all black, all all the same discount. Yeah, I know it's basically upside potential. Like that's that would be the answer is well, there's more upside, but I'm starting to just not buy it. Mm, maybe that's a buy signal maybe. for ourselves. I think yeah, I I love using my personal contraindicator as if I get uncomfortable, that means maybe yeah, you don't want to twist your brain into a pretzel, but that uncomfortability if your own like if your own thesis getting you're getting uncomfortable. And you think there, you know, a lot of other people, I guess what I'm trying to say, are probably getting uncomfortable as well, which uh, that could present opportunity if uh, the thesis is still correct, but you also could just be wrong. (laughs) And the content, like, it's it's tough to, uh, it's easier when the company is just- TikTok's going to be banned. No idea. I have no idea whether it's going to be banned, but it seems fairly likely just- if it's getting more popular, it's basically there's so much evidence that has the US ever act- really done that before? Uh, I mean, like banned some sort of like big global technology. I know China's done it to US based technologies, but I can't think of an example where we've done it. Well, I guess no other company has really country has really done one before, so. Yeah, there's not really any example to go off of, but I mean, uh, just think of it in a vat, not in a vacuum, but just uh, the specific situation, regardless of the history. And the situation does not look good for TikTok if the 70 year old senators in Congress get their heads on their shoulders. It's essentially, I think I've used this analogy before, so apologies, but 
It's essentially like if in the 50s, the third biggest, we had three big TV networks and then Russia invented a fourth that was taking market share and becoming insanely popular. And the US was like, yeah, I think we should. Yeah, it's fine. Let's keep that. I think the US citizen should be watching that. But <laughs> I, I, I doubt if that happened, we would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I think that's good. We should. Yeah, no, it's fine. We'll just keep the Russian TV network. What do you think the consumer's reaction will be if TikTok is banned? What do you think that reaction will actually be for Ooh, people? Will they just move move over to shorts and reels or will they grow frustrated and start to protest on social media? I think that's, yeah, that's an interesting question. It's probably just an overblown. I don't know how many people are actually going to change their vote because TikTok got banned or not. Yeah, maybe not. But I think majority people, of people on TikTok like people don't are timid to do it. Like it seems like government is timid to do it and they have all the reasons to already. Well, they are all very yeah. old. They're all, they're very old. I think they just don't, they got to get the, the balls got to get moving. Um, and maybe they have bigger priorities right now, but I think that's a big priority. All right. All right. Like I've also seen like on multiple occasions over the last two years, people tweet like, Looking like TikTok will be banned today by whatever this institution, and it never happens. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the reports that come out are very, very damning. I mean, there's been plenty of them. It seems like there's one each month about the nefarious activities that they go, they do, but no one seems to care as of yet. Um, all right, all right. New, new topic. Can't talk about one thing forever. The Twitter deal is done. Official congratulations to the arbitrage invest- investors for nice little hundred percent return there, um, or hundred percent annualized return. I think I'm pretty. I think I'm in the camp. Uh, as any longtime listener knows, I'm not a, t- a fan of Tesla and Elon Musk, but I kind of I kind of like his ideas for the for the platform. If what are his, what are his ideas? Basically. Better, uh, he wants better targeting for advertisers. That's a long, you know, maybe executing on that, paying people that are big uh, accounts, kind of sort of like a YouTube sort of model. Um, And I also think there's just a lot of low hanging fruit that he can go after to make the the app and site work a lot better. Um, And it seems like there's a lot of good energy there. Is it the company good business? Maybe, maybe not, but I I kind of am optimistic about what um yeah especially kind of for i'm thinking selfishly but since a lot of our funnel for new people that listen come from twitter i'm kind of optimistic um although make sure to delete all your any sort of negative tesla stuff i'll have to delete that just so he doesn't uh come in and ban us all but no that's just a joke he probably won't do that I I don't know. I feel like Twitter might just be pretty similar in a couple of years. Maybe. At least, Although, yeah. you know, it's so buggy that I think known it's to just... roll out lots of you roll stuff out prematurely. Look, uh, they're uh, it's just very buggy. So if they just fix that, um, maybe it's impossible to fix, but. Their video functionality is absolutely horrendous. That's a gripe I've always had with them. Good example. Good example. The video stuff is terrible um, for uploading anything. 
look, they had a CEO that wasn't even, didn't care. He wanted it to become a protocol and he was a part-time CEO of one of the most important apps in the world. It is crazy that he said all that afterward. Yeah. Like, oh, Square man. would be, Square's unownable, in my opinion, after that. <laughs> unless he's gone. Unless he gets out of there. Yeah. That would be, it'd be very interesting if, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting that like block square, um, is almost down to where it was. Well, I guess it was down to like $40 during the COVID crisis. And it was one of the best investments both of us have ever made. Not in, in a short, short careers. And but frankly, it's all multiple expansion predominantly. But yeah. No, 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 no. Cash App grew 100% year over year. We're right. I mean, more than half. You know, we got a, a lot of it was multiple expansion. <laughs> a little 3x extra there was multiple expansion. But you also, but I mean, that's not. Look, everyone look was right buying anything during COVID. Eh, I mean, this was mostly. Look, look, look. That's not. That's not. That's whatever. But it's at the same. It's getting close to the same price today. And it just feels like meh. <laughs> it is, yeah, like it's it's sort of. I guess they're not investing as much as Meta, but the the crypto stuff and the non getting away from the core stuff. I actually recently, um, sorry, I got a sneeze, so I might mute myself. You go talk. I got a sneeze. I can't buy into it at all, frankly. And the it also the market cap hasn't moved down nearly as much as the stock price which anytime i see that i just like mm. roll my eyes when the, uh, yeah the afterpay deal like you're getting all that dilution my god that that was such a bad acquisition and you know yeah. what i'll pat myself on the back for this one i said that's going to go down as one of the worst acquisitions of all time yeah and i think has that been has that been integrated into the cash app yet uh, sort of. I was gonna say that anecdotally, I quit the cash app because all the boosts and stuff are just based on like. I think it's sort of integrated, so it's like all this fashion stuff now that I don't care about, and now that they don't give me ten five percent back on my groceries, there was no reason to be there. Um, oh, they don't. So, and they're just oh pop- yeah, there's a little explore page. Yeah, it's explore. Like they're just trying to. Uh, I think they've lost a little bit track of what made the cash app great. It made me think though that Venmo, while while Venmo has been uh, not innovating at all, not innovating, yes, on ways to monetize compared to how the cash app did for maybe the 2015 to 2020 period, their competitive advantage to the network effect is so strong that it, yeah. it, it's, it gives them so much breathing room. And I was like, huh, maybe competitive advantages are really, really important. Um, yeah, it honest, the network effects, once a network effect business, once it's at like massive scale is so hard to destroy. Network effect. Yeah. Especially like even you think about Twitter, like, okay. okay. There's lots of services that could function just like FinTwit that are just, I mean, it's going to be such an uphill battle trying to get people to convert from their existing habits. Yeah. Twitter has a great, great network effect. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think there's but anything anything there. It's a horrible yeah. business. <laughs> it has been. Doesn't mean it's investable. Yeah, it has. It has been a horrible business. Which would you be surprised to see Musk spin this thing out with the most optimistic projections? Uh, with some, you know, they get put up some solid growth numbers. Would you be surprised to see them spin it out a few years from now, maybe five years from now, at a hundred billion dollar, hundred fifty billion dollar enterprise value? If the bull market kind of, if we get out of this crazy bear market, I would not be surprised. His ability to win at all costs is unmatched. I no matter. I to- would not be surprised that if he did that. I'm starting to think you're going to come full circle. And go. Oh no! I said unmatched means doing illegal things. So to be clear, I still think he's a criminal. But I think three years from now, I could see you being his biggest supporter. (laughs) From originally, I mean, no one dislikes him to begin with. But then you, well, maybe that's changed. But typically, you don't have your suspicions right off the bat. You like him. Maybe you find stuff out that you disagree with. Don't like him. But I've never seen anyone go like to dislike back to full support. So (laughs) I can see see the full circle route for you. Never say never, but I doubt that a future X, a future X shareholder. Yeah. (laughs) The X company. What was, what was that tweet? Oh, it's, it's an accelerant to X, the super app. Um, yeah, speaking of network effects, good good tweet chart here. Good chart from Alex Morris, Signs of Hitting. Check out our show on Roku uh, that we did with him. LinkedIn, constant currency revenues, looks like one of the best businesses I've ever seen. Fiscal year 2012, $522 million. Fiscal year 2022, which I think just ended for Microsoft, so the third quarter of the calendar year, $13.8 billion. This is, is this the... S- third biggest social network after um facebook and instagram now from a from a revenue standpoint that this is like that sort of network effect i know everyone hates linkedin but so many people are on it i mean it just seems like that's a really really good business and again nadella i guess maybe they acquired it before he got there but that that's just the the, the sneaky parts of a microsoft business microsoft's business is I don't know. They, they, they just seem to all execute well time and time again. Yeah, I think Microsoft's good at everything. Yeah. Don't they own Bing, though? Well, they're good at everything except search. <laughs> I wonder, that's just... You uh, like LinkedIn. That, that whole pitch you just gave seems like it could work as a pitch for Doximity. Mm. Doximity, you've been looking at that recently? Yeah, it kind of feels... Very much like the LinkedIn for doctors. You just said though the network effects are hard to break, um, but it's probably doctors could be such a niche that I mean that there there are, I'd say they're the benefit on that they have more more than eighty percent of doctors in the U.S. are on it. So ah, so they they weren't on LinkedIn to begin with. Yeah, yeah LinkedIn's too general. Well, what are their margins? Because they're still at what twelve times sales here. I think it's like thirty five percent free cash flow margins. <laughs> maybe maybe could be interesting it's it's an interesting one the manage the management team seems to know what they're doing there are, are they some, do- they're doctors I'm, I'm assuming i don't know 
I honestly have no idea if they were doctors in a past life, but they've been running Doximity for a while. But it does like, I don't know. They wanted, I think their quote was like, we want it to be a Bloomberg for doctors kind of, which they have really kind of expanded beyond just the like posting different studies and stuff like that to now they've got like the scheduling component for doctors. They've got communication. Um, yeah. Okay. You can like, uh, they've got the telehealth dialer thing where I mean, it's sort of a basic telehealth function, but it seems like they've added some particular rollouts that are very doctor specific. Um, maybe I haven't kept up with all the other telehealth providers, but maybe it's basically sort of a commodity at this point, but it, I think we did really integrated. Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of did come to that. I think we all did come to that conclusion that telehealth is, is a bit of commodity. Setting up the zoom videos within a HIPAA compliant app. Not, not too crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that could be an interesting stock to watch. Any um, other any other earnings reports that you're keeping an eye on right now? Oh, something like mention. Okay, go ahead. Is, go uh, ahead. Do you ever read Alluvial Capital's letters? No, never heard of it. It's the Dave Waters guy. Never heard of him. He follows Harbor Diversified, but anyway, um, he, he's like really into small caps. Um, he wrote up a really good piece on the new. Uh, banking thing. There's like some new banking program where it's basically they're the U.S. government is giving capital to a bunch of banks in underserved markets. So they're trying to get investment or lending to potentially uh, underbanked communities, and they're giving them to them at like two percent cost of capital. So which below. right. Right now, they could theoretically just you know earn yields on the tenure, but there's both there's like certain conditions where you have to lend a, a portion of it out. I'm sure, uh, but it's like a huge. I mean, it's a huge benefit if you're a shareholder of these small banks. You can't. Yeah, well, you're, you're also there's some like rules around executive compensation. You can't just take it and pay yourself. But yeah, what's the Fed funds three percent? Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So they're giving it below Fed funds. Yeah. Uh, and what's the thesis that the banks are just going to grow their deposits and be able to loan and get some good returns on those loans? Yeah. Assume they yield like four or five percent. At the right price, that could be interesting. So he's just looking at a lot of the banks, the small banks. Yeah. Those are, those a are lot of them so, are in like the southeast. The south. They are so tedious to cover, though. So tedious. That's where the opportunities lie. Maybe. His, his like, reading through his letters, uh, these companies are obscure as hell. Like, just tiny European companies. That, but the, his, his returns so far have uh, beaten the market. I don't know if I can play that game, but. Yeah. Well, if he enjoys it, you know, no. Yeah, you got to yeah. ask yourself whether it's something you can do. If you enjoy looking at those type of companies, then maybe it can work. But if you don't enjoy looking at the companies because the time you have to put in, it doesn't feel right like it would work. It's a good letter to read, though. I recommend it. All right, we got two minutes left. Were you about to say something? Uh, Shopify. That was the one 
I was, you read, did I you read the, the report? Yeah, it was pretty good. No surprises. They're hyping up the fulfillment network. I think. The, yeah, the numbers look good. Uh, they're not, you know, profitable yet, but you can see the margin um, is fine. Uh, the they have good. They uh, the one thing though is that on the call you could see probably they're all happy and stuff, and then. Someone asked, so how are the negotiations with buyer with Prime going? And you could see them all laughing and probably, this is just hypothetical, laughing and then they just go, hmm, just, well, so I, this I, is they, not I, what I, everyone thinks it is kind of thing. It's funny yeah, that they the, said the, like, they said that they're like, everyone seems to be making it out to be this big, like time bomb, but that's not what it is. It's a great partnership. It's great for our merchants. And then like a couple of weeks later, they're like, actually, it'd be best if our merchants didn't adopt this. Yeah, so they said that the negotiations are ongoing, I think, or are in good talks. But kind of the whole conclusion I had from reading the report, and there's some good summaries from both Mostly Bard Ideas and Brad Freeman, Stock Park Nerd, uh, on the, the reports. The stock looks like it could be great here if you're comfortable with Buy With Prime. Yeah. But I'm uncomfortable. I understand it, yeah. I don't think I mean it's pretty easy to understand, but I think if you're well, comfortable, it's not. Uh, no, I understand the economics of it. I don't think they're just going to give up all their GPV to Amazon. It's probably not that simple. I imagine that gets Amazon's going to give them some sort of kickback at that. Yeah, no, no. The I mean, understanding like getting comfortable with the risk of it, buy with Prime. If you don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be, then yeah, well, it could be a good buy like, here. I don't think people know really what the risk is yet. <sighs> you think it's yeah. just going to eliminate their? I mean, fifty-four percent of their merchant volume is payments. Yeah, I don't gonna wipe it out. No, no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. That's just why, like. I mean, where the stock went, it seems like people are betting on that buy with Prime takes a lot of market share over the next five years. But the I can totally see a world where Shopify is fairly resilient just from switching costs. Uh, you know, buy with Prime is just a small part of Amazon's business. They might not invest in it too much. The uh, last thing so, I want to say on Shopify because we're running out of time they used maybe the most diplomatic uh, description for their layoffs that I've ever seen. They did, they did layoffs did yeah, they not today. They, did uh, they called it. I want to make sure I get it right. I believe they said we recalibrated our organizational structure. Ah, nice. <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. You remember the, the layoffs. Toby wrote that letter. Oh uh, yeah. I'm remembering now. That's why you get MBAs on the staff so they can write stuff like that. And then they talk about their flex program for compensation. I don't, I go, all right, guys, you'll let people choose how much cash or stock they want. Congratulations. It's a good idea, but so what? (laughs) I bet that kind of existed already at a lot of companies. It just never was probably as easy as they made it. We have a little, we're running up on time. We have a bar. We have a bar for the compensation you can click. This is innovation, guys. All right. 
Yeah. All right. Let's sign off. Well, that's going to do it. We should probably throw a disclosure in here. Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are general partners at Arch Capitals with clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.